¿Por qué esta Coca-Cola de McDonald's sabe tan bien? ¿Será la máquina? ¿Será el popote o el hielo? ¿O quizás soy yo? No sé, Diego, pero vámonos, ¿no? El ¿Por qué esto sabe tan bien, Deal? Un refresco de cualquier tamaño por un dólar. Solo en el $1, 2, 3 dollar menu de McDonald's. Precios y participación pueden variar. No se puede combinar con cualquier otro oferta o cambio. Mío, Coca-Cola es una marca registrada de The Coca-Cola Company. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Uh, we are thrilled to be sponsored by Audible.com, and they have been gracious enough to uh, provide a free trial for our listeners. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that free trial, and explore on your own, not just the audiobooks, but check out all the other content as well. Over the years, the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has been recognized as a great resource for business and entrepreneurs. Uh, we enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to uh, in a variety of categories. And that is because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business and they join me for a conversation where they share that expertise with all of you. Today is no different. My guest today is Sajel Thacker. Dubbing herself Chief Civility Officer, Sajel is not your average employment law attorney. For more than 15 years of experience advising clients, human resources personnel, and legal counsel regarding sound standard employment practices uncovered a need and a personal passion for bringing more proactive, relevant, and impactful workplace training programs to her clients and their teams. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sajel. Oh, thank you, Diane. It's my pleasure. And I, I really, as I mentioned before, I appreciate this opportunity to, to share my insights and perspectives with you and everyone listening. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here. This, this topic of civility is, is so current. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Good or bad, um, but I, I want to start with I thought I, when I was reading your bio, uh, and it says that you have dubbed yourself the Chief Civility Office Officer. Why do you call yourself that? 
you know, it's, it's so as you mentioned, I'm an employment law attorney. And I basically since I was from 2003 till about eight years ago, I was a defense attorney, I was actually in court litigating cases, representing supervisors and managers in cases that primarily dealt with sexual harassment and discrimination. And so in that role, I saw all kinds of incivility <laughs> happening in the workplace, you know, and, I'm, and when I say incivility, I'm talking about a whole range of behaviors, you know, anything from somebody being rude or insensitive, all the way up to your harassment discrimination cases. And so um, when I started my business three years ago, I really wanted to work with organizations on a proactive basis, because obviously, once the lawsuit is filed, it's too late to really help with creating a culture where this sort of incivility doesn't happen. And so my goal right now, and, and the reason why I started my company was to work with companies uh, to help them create cultures of what I call civility. Got it. Boy, that, that makes so much sense. Okay. So talk to me about why it is that civility has increased so much. You know, I mean, just if we just look at Diane, the last year by itself, it has just gotten worse. And, and let me just focus on that, because I think a lot of times when leaders or HR are, are looking at their culture, they forget to take into account where we are today. You know, a lot of times policies are drafted a couple of years ago and they haven't been reviewed. So I think, you know, for people that are listening to this, you know, you want to make sure that you review your training, your policies, and make sure that you have accountability that's going to deal with incivility in your organization that we are seeing today. So just in the last year, you know, we obviously with the global pandemic, you know, that created so many challenges yeah. for employers. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with COVID and who gets to take time off, who's an essential worker, and there was so much information that was going around that was inaccurate, you know, um, we, we saw increase in um, racism and bias against Asian Chinese individuals. Mm -hmm. And so that started off by creating incivility and, you know, increasing incivility in the workplace, just a global pandemic dealing with all those issues. And then we had, we saw such a huge shift to remote work. You know, we've never seen such a dynamic shift before. So now you've got all these employees working from home. They're not face-to-face. -face. They're communicating through email, through Slack, through Zoom, you know, we're doing virtual conferences. And so we saw an increase in incivility because of that. Um, and, and, you know, I think that culture kind of took a back seat, whereas, you know, I think a lot of times companies started thinking, well, if we're not face to face, how can there be any harassment or how can there be discrimination? And it could still happen, even if you're behind a screen. And so we saw cyberbullying, for example, lots of cyberbullying happening, lots of microaggressions. So incivility increased because of the, the remote working piece. And then obviously the civil rights movement, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement um, that increased racism and bias in ways that it just brought everything to the surface. Um, so we saw a lot of incivility because of that. And then some of the things that I've seen lately are 
I'm getting a lot of, um, I've, not a lot, but I've had a few calls with HR on they're starting to see incivility in the workplace because of, you know, employees are staying in the workplace longer. So now you've got all these different generations working together. And so there's issues and incivility because of, you know, ineffective communication or just personality differences and so forth. So lots of different issues have come up in this last year. And so organizations, you know, I mean, they're, they're dealing with a lot. I have to really, you know, um, give a shout out to HR and, and leaders for really trying to navigate through all of the challenges we've dealt with in the last year or so. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it, it is almost constant. It's like you're afraid to open your eyes in the morning because you don't know what the next thing is that's gonna be right. happening, right? That's gonna confront you. Yeah. Exactly. And it's scary, too, because, you know, the laws are changing um, all the time. I mean, I made a decision at the at the beginning of COVID because it was going to be, um, you know, the laws were going to change so often that I would it could become a full time job for me to just kind of keep up with just the laws regarding COVID and how to deal with those issues. And so I, I kind of stayed away from it. I mean, I, I've, I've sort of kept up to date on it, but not to the level where I can provide any sort of subject matter expertise on it because it was just so much. And so even for small businesses, you know, you had to either retain legal counsel or or have somebody in HR that was really staying on top of those laws just to make sure you're you're following all of the different requirements. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. So what can companies do to mitigate that incivility? And and especially in a remote because I thought it was really interesting when you said, you know, business leaders wouldn't necessarily think that there could be issues when people aren't in the same space, but there are They're just maybe slightly different. So, so what can a company do to? Yeah. So, you know, what, when you look at organizations at a whole, right, um, you want to do, you want to have a comprehensive plan. So obviously you want to make sure training, you know, and making sure the training is effective is one big component of that plan, but also your policies have to be updated and reviewed to make sure they're current. So when talking about the piece yeah. you just mentioned about the online harassment or cyberbullying, you know, a lot of these policies were drafted before, and really, I mean, I've reviewed several policies just in the past few months where it doesn't really go into harassment or discrimination happening on, on technology as much as it needs to, right? So yeah. having clear policies that are relevant and up to date is very important. And then I think, again, you know, when there are issues, and, and so going back to remote working, if somebody observes um, the harassment happening uh, remotely, how do they report it? And so again, you know, you have to make sure that you have a, a really robust complaint process that allows people to make these complaints or report these concerns in multiple ways, right? So you have to review that to make sure, are there processes in place for people to actually raise these issues if these issues are occurring, whether they're happening in person or not? And then when it when a concern is made, you know, the organization obviously needs to look into that and be timely and, and prompt and, and make sure they handle these complaints in the proper way in order to not just mitigate legal liability, 
accountability, but also to make sure that they're getting involved so that they can address these situations as they're happening. Um, and then you want to make sure that if policies were violated, and then they're taking proper action. So are there appropriate remedies to continue to maintain that culture of civility? So there's just, you have to look at a lot of different components. And then here's the piece that I think gets lost sometimes, you know, is that, you know, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's a constant, it's a continuous activity. So you need to then go back and make sure that you're, you know, is there accountability? Are, are there new complaints? And, and not just resolving the complaint that has come up, but then going back and taking a look at that situation to see, are there systemic issues that we need to deal with? Are there bigger issues than just this one complaint? So there's, it's, you know, you have to look at how do you, how do you manage that, all of these different risks? So it, it is a lot that you have to look at. And then when you throw in things like what we saw last week with technology, where, you know, I had clients that were saying, we can't have anybody work from home for a single day. And now you've had to have everybody working from home. They weren't ready for that. So um, that's another piece that you want to make sure that you are looking at as far as maintaining civility in the workplace. So speaking of cyberbullying, I mean, I'm glad that we're kind of talking about this because I think that lots of companies haven't really taken a look at their policies. I don't think they properly train their middle managers on what to do if these kinds of situations are arising, right? And and especially when it's turning into cyberbullying, you know, um, and, and cyberbullying can take place in a lot of different formats. So the times have really changed. And then we're seeing a lot of talking on this um, because of the civil rights movement, you know, I think that, you know, if you were sort of thinking diversity and inclusion were sort of a, a nice to have or, you know, oh, we'll get around to it. It's just not going to work. You really have to make diversity and inclusion, you know, have a have a robust plan around it and make it a priority along with civility. So one of the things, Diane, I say oh. is, you know, have your core values and obviously diversity should be a core value. Inclusion should be a core value. And I talk about how civility should be a separate core value. I think they're all different and they all need to have comprehensive plans behind each one of them to, to drive these changes. Boy, I, you're not kidding. It, it, because I mean, it's so interesting for me. It, it's the kind of thing it's insidious, right? Like if, yes. if if it's happening and the leadership doesn't know it's happening and the leadership hasn't created systems for what to do, you know, in the event that it happens and then it, people don't bring it up, but they are still experiencing it. It's like, it reminds me of the old days of, of sexual harassment when it was considered, yeah. you know, just a thing and not really harassment, you know? Yeah, and, absolutely. And, it, and it's so dangerous to, the entire organization. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you've seen, there was a, a report that came out, um, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, and this really was sort of what motivated me to kind of go out on my own. But this was a report that EEOC came out with in 2016. They had put together a task force of managers, of attorneys, of leaders, all kinds of different subject matter experts. And then they published this report. It's over a hundred pages long, and it really goes into, you know, 
why hasn't our harassment complaints or why hasn't the trainings that her, you know, the companies are, are offering to their employees to stop harassment? Why hasn't that worked? And it really, this task force looked at it and they, they came out with some pretty key findings, you know, and, and, and one of them, I, I mean, when I, when I, when I saw this, I, I, I was like, I knew it was a problem, but until I read it in the report, I didn't realize how big of a problem it was that, you know, the workplace harassment issue is getting worse, you know, literally every year, it's not getting better. And so you think about how companies are spending thousands of dollars on their harassment, you know, trainings. Yeah. Why isn't it working? Yeah. Right. And then the yeah. report really kind of goes through all of it. And that's one of the reasons why I really approach it from the civility angle, because they talk about that in that report and they give you statistics. I mean, the data is right there. So, OK, that's blowing my mind. So all these companies are spending all this money on training. The training's not working. Mm -hmm. And so so you look at it and you say okay it's because there's there isn't an emphasis on people just being civil to one another is that it i mean it, it's part of it that's part okay. of it so part of it is look the the biggest issue is is you know we know that there's harassment that's happening the data supports that right and but we what the bigger issue is is that we also know that three out of four people are not reporting the harassment that's happening in the workplace, wow. right? Because of all kinds of reasons. They're afraid of retaliation. They're afraid that they don't know what their rights are. They don't know if anybody will believe them. I mean, there's hundreds of reasons why people don't report. They're afraid yeah. that, you know, the institution's going to betray them, et cetera. And so, so my issue is you need to create a culture where there's psychological safety so that people feel comfortable addressing incivility when it starts to happen rather than wait for the lawsuit to come. Right. And so yeah. we need to create these cultures of civility. So when I talk about, again, as I said earlier, civility, I'm talking about a range of behaviors. Right. Yeah. And so the way that I look at it and is that, you know, typically when someone starts to harass somebody. So let's just say, you know, sexual harassment. I'm just using that as an example. It could be okay. a, you know, anything. But typically in these cases, at least from my experience and just the data supports this, is that you'll start seeing some rude or maybe some flirtatious comments or some something that starts off smaller and then the person sees how much they can get away with and then it continues until it ends up being something where the person complains right and now we have to make the decision or, or do an investigation to determine whether harassment has happened or whether there was a violation of policy so my approach is, is let's be proactive mm. so let's empower the employees to have conversations to say, you know, because look, the person might have said something because maybe in their culture it was appropriate, but for this person it crossed the line. So we need to give people the skills and the tools and maybe even the scripts to say, how do you address this behavior when it starts to happen before that progression continues so that we can just address it right away? So it, a lot of times as, as an attorney, you know, one of the things I heard a lot is from people that were um, alleged to have engaged in harassing behavior. A lot of times what I heard was, I didn't know that. I wish I would have known that or that wasn't my intention 
or I was joking, or I was, you know, I, I was, yeah. I heard all these excuses. So my thing is, let's get rid of that. Let's tell people to put each other on notice in a respectful, professional way. So that if it in fact was something that let's say they, the person was joking, now they know. And then they, yeah. you know, most people should stop at that point. If it continues, we have to deal with that issue because now the person knows and they're continuing. But most people, once they know about it, they're going to stop because, you know, I, I think most people are well-intentioned, good people, uh-huh. and they just don't know. They think it's okay. And because most, when people are on the receiving side, we know that most people aren't saying anything or reporting it, that behavior just continues and continues until it, as I came into, when I got into the picture, this behavior has become normal for that organization, right? It's gone on for so long and no one's done anything or said anything about it. And now it's become a part of the culture, which is now toxic. So let's address these issues earlier on. And so that that's, I think, such a huge piece, right? Yeah, but no kidding. Yeah. Wow, I, it's so true. It, it, and and I, you're talking about this and I keep thinking about how it just, it grows and grows and grows. It's like a snowball. And so not only does it become the culture, but the person who was doing it then listen and says, well, why didn't you, somebody say something before? Like I've been doing this when you, now this is a problem. Right. You know, it wasn't a problem before. So it, it's not really fair to anybody to, in the organization to, to not have, um, a, a process or a system or, you know, focus, whatever, on being able to have respectful conversations exactly. around, you know, what's acceptable and what isn't. Wow. Right. And, and that's what the EEOC said in that report is that focus your, you know, what a lot of employers were doing is they were just checking the box. Okay, so we have to do sexual harassment training mm-hmm. once a year or twice, once every two years. And that's all we're going to do. And that's not what the, that's not what was intended, right? That was to say, this is the minimum that you should do. You should do mm-hmm. way more. But organizations weren't doing that. And so they they talk about how, you know, you need to expand the scope of your training to focus more on sort of a holistic approach to respectful workplaces or, you know, civility in the workplace. And also one thing that a lot of employers weren't doing is focusing in on equipping employees with how to be bystanders and intervene, which is the biggest component, right? So we can't, I mean, you know, we encourage people when they're, you know, on the receiving end to do something about it, but really it's, it's, in, in, it's the bystanders who should be speaking up and, and doing something about it because they're observing this behavior happening. And so, so the, but the, but people don't have the tools to do that. They don't know how to, how to intervene properly. So that's another area that has to be given more attention by organization is to empower employees to intervene in these situations, especially if you think about it, even, I mean, just because of last year with the the civil rights movement, we can't deny that this has brought up bias in in so many different ways. And so if somebody has unconscious bias and it's, it's showing up as microaggressions, People need to first understand what unconscious bias is so that they can do, they can do the work individually on themselves to figure out what their own blind spots might be. It's normal. Everybody has unconscious bias, right? It's a normal processing. 
yeah. of our brain, but they need to understand their own blind spots because if they don't, they might be resulting in microaggressions towards their coworkers at work, which is going to, again, impact the civility in the organization. So people need to know what to do or how to recognize them and what to do when it happens, which, again, is not happening um, as, as much as it should. So that feels like one of the things that needs to happen is that the leadership um, throughout the organization, not just at the top, but but really, you know, at the at the main level, really needs to learn how to engage in those conversations because they're uncomfortable. Yes. Right? And and there's pushback and there's and and people tend to avoid what's uncomfortable. So yeah. that, you know, it feels like those people need to be equipped with how do you have these conversations in a way that is productive. Absolutely. And Diane, I, I would even go further than that. I think every employee, every person in the, in the organization needs to understand their own bias, their mm-hmm. own, like, you know, how it might result in microaggressions and what to do if they see somebody else, you know, I mean, leadership hundred percent, but so does everybody else. Cause every person through their daily actions, through the decisions they make are going to impact the culture of the organization. So everybody needs to be involved. You, right. you know, and I think that's part, that's also one of the reasons why it hasn't worked is it's become one of those things like, oh, it's an HR issue or it's a legal issue. You know, no, it's everybody's issue because we all contribute to the culture when we're working at an organization. Right. At this time, I'd like to take a sponsor break. The Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by audible.com. And I'm sure you know that audible.com has thousands of audiobook titles to choose from, but you might not know about the other content. There's podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations. Uh, My favorite thing is to be able to listen to different kinds of things all on the same platform. I think it's a time saver uh, and it's like a productivity hack for me. I don't have to go jumping from one platform to another. Uh, so we're offering you a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, sign up for that free trial, and then explore on your own. You know, check out the audiobooks, check out the other programs, see what really, you know, resonates with you. Interested in getting some help with your sales strategy? Pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. So does that mean that everyone needs to go through the same trainings? Because it feels to me like first the people who are in leadership positions need to get some sort of training on, you know, st- starting with their own biases, but, but you know, how to make sure that the culture is a good one, you know, not mm-hmm. a bad one. But, but, then, but then I also feel, I feel like I'm also hearing you say that everyone then needs to go through this other training that gets to their own, you know, where they're able to really key in on who they are and how they show up. Is that right? Yeah. I, I so I, I would say that again, you have to look at sort of the people in your organization to take a look at what is the culture that you have. And then you have to take a look at what are the issues that are happening. So we know that 
where, how does incivility, you know, what does incivility in our organization, what are the things that are happening, right? So you have to customize a training plan and it's not a one-time thing. It needs to be a comprehensive plan, but I think the components you definitely want to include in there are, you know, you want to have a training on respectful workplaces, civility training, right? That has to be a huge component. And within that, you need to give people skills on how to communicate effectively, how to resolve conflict, how to speak up if you're a bystander, right? So there's certain topics you want to include as part of your respectful workplace or civility training piece. Then I think you also have to look at it from a diversity and inclusion standpoint. And within that sort of training plan, you know, you want to make sure that you're addressing things like unconscious bias, microaggression. Mm -hmm. Again, how to interrupt microaggressions. You might even need to go through deeper issues such as white supremacy, privilege. You know, again, you have to look and see what might be necessary at your organization, right? right. And so there is no one, here's the, you know, you have right. to look at, and then I think there has to be another component as well. So we've talked about civility by, you know, um, diversity and inclusion, but I also think that there should be some other training too on, you know, some people call it soft skills, you know, but I, I don't know. I think definitely, at least for leadership, there needs to be additional training on how to be a good leader, you know, how to go more, you know, I think a lot of leaders are getting promoted up because they get the work done, not necessarily because they need to lead. And, um, I, you know, leadership at all levels of the organization needs to, to have additional training. So for example, in California, you know, if you work for any of the public state agencies and you want to be, and, and you get promoted or you want to be a supervisor, from the time you become a supervisor, this is, this is law in California, it's in our government code, you have a certain amount of time and then you have to go through 80 hours of mandated what they call basic supervisory training. And this covers a whole history, like a lot of different topics, how to do performance evaluation, how to motivate your employees, how to do, how to document properly, how to, you know, what is the complaint process? What are the laws that you need to be aware of? And so supervisors should have robust training plans around all of these topics. And, it, you know, and now with technology, it doesn't all have to happen. You know, I mean, the, the state is ridiculous. They do 40 hours in one week and 40 hours, that's all going to change. But when I was doing that training, it was literally five days, eight hours a day. Wow. But now, you know, with technology, you can make it available through a lot of different ways. But I think leadership is critical, um, obviously, to the culture of the organization, and they need more training. There's no question about it. No question about it. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 it's so amazing to me that even with all of the training that, that has been going on, it, it has not necessarily been effective. Mm -hmm. um, so if you were, uh, how do I want to ask this question? Um, if someone's listening and they own a small business and they've had to go virtual and they, they don't even know if there's a problem, mm -hmm. um, what would you advise like their first step should be in, in any sort of process? Because I really liked what you said about it really 
you, you have to find out what's going on in the organization. I think that's so true, you know, that, that you want to address what you want to start with where you yeah. are. So yeah. what would you say? I would say first thing is you want to take a look at what your mission statement, what your core values are. It all starts there, right? I mean, it kills me when I go in to do a training for an organization and I'll, I'll ask one of the supervisors, you know, can you tell me what your core values are? And they have no clue. <laughs> Huge problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's, that's where you start. You have to know what your core values are. And so, you know, like I said earlier, I, I'm out there advocating for civility to be a core value for all organizations. And so like with any core value, you want to make sure there's commitment to those core values by leadership. If you don't have that commitment and buy-in, it's not going to work, right? The it's, it, there has to be a sincere and visible commitment by leadership to for all the core values. And then what you wanna do is you wanna clearly define each of those core values because people need to know what these core values are. So you wanna communicate them clearly define them. And then you want to communicate them to all employees, right? Not just the leadership, but everybody needs to understand within the organization exactly what they're being asked to do, what the core values are. Now, people need to also realize that some of those core values may not be core values for everybody, right? And so there needs to be at least some sort of evaluation about how to handle that situation, right? So if leaders don't agree with the core values. So you need to get to a shared core values by leadership that everybody agrees on and then clearly communicate it to everybody. That's where you need to start. So then the other part of that you wanna make sure is that you have to have, you know, accountability is critical in these situations. So at all levels, not just the top senior level, not the C-suite, but just at all levels of the organization, you wanna have accountability systems in place to make sure that everybody is acting in accordance to those core values, right? So if people people follow the core values or they're, you know, if their if their role is to sort of enforce, you know, the core values or, or you know, ensure that harassment isn't happening, for example, then you want to make sure those individuals are rewarded for doing their job well. And if people don't do their job well or don't meet up with these accountability expectations, then they should be penalized and appropriate actions should be taken. And this is, applies to everybody, right? The accountability applies oh, to everybody. Yeah. And so that, that's where I would start. And, and policies obviously have to be looked at and reviewed. Um, right now is, 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 the, uh, is, is the really good time actually to review your employee handbook because a ton of laws, at least in California, just went into effect on, in January. So it's a good time right now for all businesses to review their policies. And I would say their entire employee handbook because you wanna make sure just so much happened last year, so, many, so much went into effect this year that this is the right, this is actually a perfect time to do that. I think that is such a huge point that, that cause I remember when, um, you know, the internet became a thing and all of a sudden it was, oh, we need to add a social media policy section, you know, to our handbook. And that, and that was a whole big thing and who can do what and whatnot. And you're right. I mean, last year, so many things happened, you know, not just on the um, behavioral side or the emotional mm -hmm. side, but 
with the people working remotely, you know, with the pandemic, who's essential, who's not, that boy, uh, I would say, I agree. I, I think that's a huge thing that these business leaders need to be doing is looking at their policies and procedures and making sure that they're accounting for the world we're living in now. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and, and like, for example, just a, like one policy, social media, right? I mean, yeah. is your employee handbook, look at your social media policy. Is it going to suffice to where we are right now? Because we didn't, unless you had everybody already working from home, Boy. then you might have considered some of these issues. But if you had nobody working from home, I doubt your social media policies, if you even have one, is going to be adequate for what we need it to be right now. If you have yeah, a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you just don't think about these things, unfortunately. We, you know, we really don't stop and think, oh wait, something changed. So it is a matter of helicoptering up and, and taking a look, you know, a different view of your business. Right. Right. Wow. This is just crazy. I, I really appreciate this information. I think it is so timely and so critically important. And I really like this, this focus and emphasis on stability um and culture because uh i don't think i think it changes the way companies deal with it i think it actually probably makes it easier so thank you so much for shedding light on you know not only what's going on but what we need to do about it yeah absolutely you know it's important and and, and i think that it, it, it this is the right time to really do the work proactively rather than wait, because you know I, I think just um, from what I'm seeing, people's tolerance levels to putting up with incivility have gone down significantly just in the last year. You know, people That's are speaking up more. Yeah, they're speaking up more. They they're getting on social media more. People laws are going into place saying we can't prevent. You know, in California last year. Or, um, you know, at the beginning of last year, a law was passed, you know, that you can't prevent people from talking about the facts relating to their harassment complaints. Um, and so things are happening where people are going to be speaking up more. And so it's better to just deal with it head on instead of just putting bandages on it. And, and you know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, it's too, you know, the money. And I, and I said, believe me, I'm an attorney. I've seen those cases. I see <laughs> how expensive those are once the lawsuit is filed you'd rather spend the money now and set up your culture and really center it around you know dignity and respect for every single person at your organization and and, and really just create a robust plan around like i said create a civility plan you know and create a separate you have to have a separate diversity and inclusion plan because that's different and and here's where I think a lot of times companies kind of throw in civility into that bucket of diversity and inclusion, and they're not the same. They're very different. They cover different issues, different goals, different people, hmm. different behaviors. So you want to separate the two because look, I, I have a huge passion for diversity and inclusion, and I do diversity and inclusion work. I mean, training, I do, I talk on these topics all the time, but my training doesn't is not your typical diversity and inclusion training that covers a lot of the issues relating to privilege and white supremacy and anti-racism and all those minds different and so you really have to look at it through the different lenses and don't just kind of throw it all into one because they they require different kinds of lenses and and then they also require different accountability from the employees 
So you have to look at them differently. That's interesting. Um, that's so interesting. I, I shoot, you said something that I, that, oh, I know what it was. Um, one of the one of the things that really hit me when you were talking is that you want to do this now. You want to spend this money now. You don't want to wait until there's a lawsuit because for many reasons, one, the expense, two, mm -hmm. the level of destruction that mm -hmm. will be going on in your business. Yes. Right? Like mm -hmm. leaders need to appreciate and understand that this, all of this direct impact on their bottom line. Oh my God. I mean, if I could just share a statistic. Sure. This is just one statistic. And I must say this in like almost every podcast. That I do. <laughs> it is, it's the only one I need to share to make the point. I mean, Sherm came out with a, a, a study recently where they said that toxic work cultures, you know, damage morale, productivity, bottom lines, and all of that we already knew. But they reported that just due to employee turnover, oh. just that one piece caused by toxic cultures cost employers more than $223 billion over five years, just from employee turnover. Wow. And I mean, you think about what, you know, what EEOC, the numbers that it collects when these complaints, this discrimination complaints and harassment complaints are filed with the EEOC. Back in 2015, they collected, I think it was like 146 million. In 2018, they collected $505 million for aggrieved parties. So in lawsuits, an average lawsuit, you know, and this is, I'm talking about, I don't know the recent numbers because I haven't litigated in a while, but the last number I looked at was probably about a couple of years ago an average lot, actually more than that, sorry, like three, four years ago. So this number is probably more, a lot more now, but an average lawsuit, an employment lawsuit filed by an employee was costing $125,000. That's not including attorney's fees. <laughs> so believe me, it, and nobody wins in those cases. Nobody no. wins. And because the, the level of tolerance for harassment and incivility in the workplace has gone down significantly because of just the stuff that's gone on last year. Mm -hmm. and, and people are, you know, speaking up more. And just because of that reason alone, I think that, you know, um, you're not going to survive if you right. don't address these issues, diversity, inclusion included, you know, you're just not, yeah. if you just put bandages on things and it's not a one training type deal. You know, um, yeah, right. it's got to be an ongoing, you got to, you got to take into account your people too, you know, because honestly, Diane, I feel like this past few months, I've been a, a therapist, <laughs> not a, not an attorney. <laughs> I really do. And it's, it's because in, I feel like in, in my trainings, people just want to talk. They want, they need a space to have conversations about these issues. And so employers create a space for your employees to be able to have conversations and talk about the issues that they're dealing with, create a safe, brave space for these conversations, and then address those issues, right? Well, and that is key, right? You can't just listen. Right. Then you gotta take action. I, I had a client once who called it the no judgment zone. And mm -hmm. he would have certain meetings, he would say, okay, this is a no judgment zone. We aren't going to judge each other. You can say anything you want about anything that's going on, you know, in the company. 
any ideas you have, any grievances, whatever it is, and no one will be judged. And he did it because he really needed people to speak up and, and talk about what was going on in order to make sure that he was fixing anything that he wasn't aware of that, that wasn't really working. And, and uh, it was really uh, productive for him. It, it worked really well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you and anything you've got going on you think? Yeah, sure. Valuable for them to know? So, you know, I would say if you're on LinkedIn, uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I am, uh, I really, I'm a huge advocate of passing along resources and good information. Like for example, this morning, before we got on the call, Diane, I, um, one of the companies that I do some facilitation for got made some, got some talk to the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and got some clarification on the sexual harassment laws. And so this is, it's not even reflected on the website yet. I checked this morning, I didn't see it on the website, but I just posted a video about how the requirements of, for harassment training, you know, it used to be every two years, you have to get supervisors, 120, you know, two hours of training, and then non, non-supervisors, one hour of training. Well, um, the CEO of M-Train, um, she, Janine Yancey, had a conversation with an assistant deputy at the Department of Fair Employment and Housing and said, you know, this is really making it hard for employers to, you know, if you've got businesses all over and you're doing, um, you know, you have employees in multiple states, can we break up that two hours? And so they just clarified the statutes to say, yes, you can break up the two hours. You can do an hour here, an hour there. Still got to cover the same topics and really provided some insights on how you want to look at it more from, this is a minimum requirement. Look at it from your culture. And so you hear it right from DFEH and nobody's, I mean, Janine just posted it yesterday, but this is, so I just posted it. So I'm really huge on sharing information like that, that can help you in your business stay on top of some of this stuff. And also I just, I am really, if you couldn't tell by listening to this, I'm really passionate about this topic. So I'm I'm doing a lot of podcasts and posting information. So LinkedIn would be the best place. I'm not on any of the other social medias really. And and then the other thing is to take a look at my website. Um, again, the name of my company is Train Extra, and it's T-R-A-I-N-X-T-R-A. But if you go to my website, trainextra.com, you know, I've, I've got a blog there and I post things on there. I talk about where I'm speaking. I, you know, I do webinars and trainings and so forth. So if you want to kind of follow along and, and you have my information on my website too. So don't hesitate to email me or get in touch with me if there's anything that I can help you. You know, and, and, you know, if I can't help you, I, the other piece of it too, is I've been doing a lot of sort of talking to other people that are doing this work. Um, and so I'm happy to make introductions and refer people to other subject matter experts if their organization needs it. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. That's wonderful. Thank you. And thank you so much for the information and for spending the time. I think this is really tremendously valuable. So thanks for doing that. Listeners, thank you. You are who we are doing this for. Uh, And I'd like to thank our sponsor. Get your free trial of audible.com by going to audibletrial.com slash business growth and do some exploring. Uh, It's fun. And you you can find podcasts on there, Audible Originals, which obviously is content you're not going to find anywhere else. Anyway, uh, it's really awesome. And 
get your sales strategy headed in the right direction with Succeed Without Selling. It's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.